Hello friends, it's so great to see you and great to have you with us today. Uh, as I'm going to talk to you, there's going to be our banking details, Snapscan and Zappo is going to be on screen if you want to give financially uh, to this dream we have as Doxadeo to change our cities to places where God reigns. I also hope that today's sermon really inspires you and takes you a couple of steps closer to Jesus. Do not miss out on our other projects uh, where you can read all about that on Instagram and, and social media and everywhere. Join one of our small groups during the week uh, and obviously see you in person on our services on Sunday, 5.30, 10 Great Valia Street, Doxadeo Majdal, English service. Uh, we'd love to see you there. I hope this message inspires you. Enjoy. dive into this today. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles to Romans 1 verse 1. Romans 1, it's just after the book of Moses. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's right after Acts. Let's get there, let's get there. Acts, Acts. Romans 1 verse 1. So I actually, I've, a, I've got a picture of my Bible there. This is, it's, it's this Bible. You can put it back up. That is what reading Romans looks like. <laughs> I saw a meme once, and it just said, reading Romans be like, but the whole page is just like yellow with highlighter, like colored in. It's really like that. There's, every word in this, in this letter is profound. I don't know how Paul wrote it. It's, it's incredible, but we're going to dive into it. Before we do, I want to say this. Just a disclaimer, uh, a warning before we dive in. This book is going to challenge you. This letter is going to really, really go into your heart. It's going to cut. It's going to offend you. I want to say that. This book is going to offend you. It's going to inspire you and call you, but it's going to be tough at times. And that's exactly the reason I want to do this. <laughs> that's exactly the reason I want to have the Bible dictate to us what we are saying here, not the other way around, finding verses to suit what we're saying. I want us to listen to the Scripture and have it talk to us. Are you ready? So how, uh, you, you must place your bets now how far you think we're going to go into the book of Romans today. <laughs> verse 3, okay. Let's see, all right, I've got 10 rand on verse 3. Have I, got a, have, I got, have I got a verse 10? Have I got a verse 10, verse 10? It's going to be interesting. Are you ready? Just to say, our small group does this regularly where we will take a book of Scripture and just go, not even verse for verse, but, but word for word, and it's incredible. It's incredible what happens. All right, I want you to repeat after me the following sentence. It's actually a piece of scripture before we dive in. Say, say after me, when I read this, I will understand mysterious things. When I read this, I will understand mysterious things. It's, it's in the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3 verse 4. He says, in reading this, he means this letter, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So I, I, I'm going to come back to that, but just keep that in your mind. All right, Romans 1 verse 1 reads as follows. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. All right, let's pause there. <laughs> That's how far we're going to get. No, I'm kidding. He makes three statements here. It's, it's interesting. I, I wrote in my notes, I wrote, this is Paul's CV. He starts off with his credentials. He writes to this Roman church, a bit of background. He writes to a Roman church. Uh, they are unsure, the commentators are unsure if he's been there or not. They say he might have known a couple of people. At the end of the letter, you see that he sent uh, a woman called Phoebe to carry this letter. How interesting is that? 
Uh, he, he, he tells a woman to carry this letter. So we know he, know he knows her at least. But we don't know if Paul's been there. We do know, that, however, that he was on his way to Spain and that Rome would be a place where he would stop for like a pit stop to, to just gather himself and before he goes and takes the, the mission to Spain. He starts with his credentials. Three things to note. He says, number one, I'm a servant of Christ. Number two, he says, I'm called to apostleship. And number three, he says, I'm set apart for the gospel. What a way to introduce yourself. Huh? What a way to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Quibus, <laughs> called one, servant, apostle. <laughs> what a way to introduce yourself, to say, I'm a servant, a called one. I've been set apart for this gospel. This is who I am. That's what Paul does here. He says, this is not what I, what I do. This is who I am. I am a servant. I am a called one. I am set apart. How awesome that he identifies him himself with that. So let's quickly stand still at those three words. First of all, servant. He says, I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant of Christ Jesus. The word that he uses there is the word doulos in Greek, which literally means slave. A man or a woman working in a, a Roman household that does slave work was called a doulos. Without choice, without a life, you, you were a slave. Now Paul comes here and he says, I, Paul, write this letter, and I am first of all a slave of Christ. Does that sound strange to you? It sounds a strange way to talk about you. We don't, we don't have songs like that. I am a slave of God. We don't do that, right? But it's interesting, that's what Paul does. He says, I am a doulos, a slave. Literally in the Roman context, Warren Weasby says that there were about 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, in the whole Roman Empire. 60 million slaves with no rights. They could do nothing of their own accord. But Paul, out of his own free will, declares, I am a slave of Christ. I am a bond servant, is another translation. I exist to obey his will. It kind of changes the way you relate, you relate to Christ, right? There's a saying that I love. Um, somebody uh, used to say this in, in our previous church. He says he's got two things that he calls God when he starts praying. He says, my father and my king. My father, my king. And then he starts praying. Because he says he never wants to forget the fact that God is his father. He's this very close, very personal, very loving father who paid the ultimate price so that you can have intimacy with him. He's my father, but he's my king. He's my king. He's the, the creator of the universe. And I, as his servant, I come and I obey his will. He's my father and my king. There's a verse that, that uh, Paul talks about. He says, um, so I, I no longer live in myself. I'm paraphrasing. I no, no longer live in myself, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. Um, and, I, and he says something about, um, and I now praise the one who loved me and gave himself for me. He's my father and my king and he owes my life. He, he owns my life. I am a servant of Christ. How do you think about God? If we, if we read these first three words of Romans, Paul, a servant of Christ, these first couple of words, is that your response when you go out into the world and people ask, who are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm Quibus, slave of God. We don't talk like that, but I want to challenge you because there's something beautiful in this when, when we understand that, that when we start to think about God, not as buddy, and he's that as well. I, just, I need you to hear this. He's that as well. What a friend we have in Jesus. 
what a friend we have, but also I think sometimes we forget that He is Lord of our life. He's the creator of the universe and He has all authority that's been given to Him. And He's worthy of my highest praise. He's worthy of my servanthood. Does it make sense? Are you with me? A.W. Tozer says the following. I love this quote. It's one of my favorites. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. How do you think about God? The second word, apostle. Interesting word. You have never used this word outside of church, yes? Or outside of kingdom work or whatever, right? Anybody use this, this phrase at your job, maybe? No? <laughs> well, obviously. Excellent verbal jousting, sir. Touche. <laughs> this word apostle, we throw it around many times in church and we read over it, but have you ever thought what it means? It means sent one. Apostolos is the word. It literally means somebody who is sent out on the authority of someone else. Somebody who is sent out from someone else. Now, I have a question for you. Are the, is somebody an apostle only if they walked and lived with Jesus? Are there only like the 12 apostles? You know, John, Mark, and what, all those guys. Right? No? Yes? No. <laughs> The easiest way for me to understand, I, I believe no, the easiest person to look at to understand this is the, the guy named Barnabas. If you read Acts, uh, he, we see him for the first time in Acts 4, 30, 36. You read about this guy Barnabas, uh, and he is called uh, Son of Generosity. That's his nickname, Barnabas. This guy is so generous, he sells his field and gives the money to the church. He gives everything away because Jesus changed his life. Interesting enough, just after the story of Barnabas, we see the story of Ananias and Sapphira who do the same thing, but for the wrong reasons. To be seen as rich. And, and <laughs> it doesn't end well for them. Let's just say that. Go read that, Acts, Acts 4, Acts 5. But Barnabas uh, comes in in Acts 4, 36 giving money to the church. The next time we see him is in Acts 9, where he's the person bringing Saul, the persecutor, to the apostles. He's the person who brings this guy in and says, guys, this guy uh, claims that Jesus met him on the Damascus road. Will you see him? And they, they are uh, afraid of him, and they, they, they're not sure, but he, say, he vouches for him. Trust me, I, I saw. Barnabas is the guy who brings Saul, the apostle, and, and, and before he becomes Paul. The next time we read of him is in Acts 14. And listen to this. Acts 14, 14. It says, But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it. <laughs> what qualified Barnabas to be an apostle? Was it because he lived and breathed with Jesus? No. He was a sent one. He was a sent one uh, on behalf of God. Barnabas was sent out and he became an apostle through his calling, his generosity, his sold outness. <laughs> for the gospel. That's how he became an apostle. The third word that Paul uses to uh, describe himself is uh, a, a set-apart person. I, Paul, servant, apostle, set-apart for the gospel. Now this word is really interesting. Um, it, it, it means literally to take something <laughs> and get ready and to set it apart. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came? Now you know. 
He says, I'm set apart for the gospel. Now literally this means to take something and I'm taking it and I'm setting it apart from the table now. They're not together anymore. This Bible is set apart from the table. Another use was to be to set apart something for a specific use. So we do this. You take, you've got that one pot or that one pan and you only use it for eggs. And you only use it, this one for pancakes. And this one is for stir fry. We do that. I don't know if you do that. But we have set... (laughs) You as well. We have set apart that pan for the making of scrambled eggs. That's its job. Another metaphor for all the sport junkies, I'm not one of them, is you, uh, at school you had a pair of shoes that were set apart for playing rugby. You did not go to the soccer with them. You did not sleep with them. You did not walk in the house after you showered with them. They were set apart for soccer or for rugby or for whatever. <laughs> they were set apart for a specific purpose. That's exactly what this word means. In the Greek context, uh, in the Hebrew context, they had um, jars that were set apart for the use of ritual cleaning. These jars weren't used for anything else. The technical word is, is um, aphoris menos. Say that five times quickly. Aphoris menos. Set apart. To, to divide something and to set it apart for a specific use, to draw a boundary around something. It's to define what something is. Paul says here that he is set apart for a specific use. I, Paul, servant, called one, or sent one, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul is sold out for this purpose. He sold out for this purpose. Nothing else in Paul's world matters more than this. And read about his life, it was true, right? And I think that's something that we touched on in the previous series, is that we are to be asphoris menos for the gospel. We are to be set apart for this one goal. Everything that we do, everything that we try and do in our life should go to this one goal. It doesn't mean we walk around in the streets praying and singing kumbaya, no. We engage with society, but it's, an, it's, it's, a, uh, it's not the end, it's a, it's a means to an end. What we do in our society, what we do in our job is a means to an end for this one reason. We are to be set apart for the gospel. My question is, are you set apart for this gospel? Are you, do, do, you, do you see your life as being marked off by the gospel? Another school metaphor, we used to play, what do you call in English, hanky tennis? Any hanky tennis champions in the house? There we go. And what we had to do is, uh, there was like one prime block. So the idea is you've got a block of concrete and you've got a line and it's literally like tennis but with your hand and a tennis ball. And it has to bounce first before it goes over. You have to like do, do that anyway. But the problem was there was only like one good block where there was like a solid line. So what we did was, we actually went to the principal, we asked, can we take chalk and mark out on the like big uh, netball fields, mark out like grids for everyone because everybody wanted to play. So we'd have like 10 or 15 grids uh, in, in break time. And it was literally like there were moments where people came into your grid and it was like, no, 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 no my grid. Can you saw spill me? It's my ball. There were these marked off spaces. That's this word. This is marked off. It's mine. It's my way. This is what, what belongs to me. Is the gospel like that for you? Have you marked off your life for the use of the gospel? And when other things come into that space, do you say, no, this space is marked off for Anki Tennis. This space is marked off for the good news of Jesus. 
the space being my life. Is that your life? Has your life been marked off for the gospel? Can you echo what Paul says here? Or are you chasing things outside the boundaries of your life? Are you chasing things outside the meaning and the purpose of your life? Are you with me? It's quite a big question. I'm running through these and there's a little application on each one, but uh, I'm not going to stop too long because I want you to go and take this book and read it. Go and go. I I do that. I I say servant and I stop and I go to my notebook and I I write, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a servant? Called on, what does it mean? Set apart, what does it mean? God, tell me what it means. I challenge you to do that. I'm going to run through the rest uh, and then we're going to have a a, a great piece of just, I want to minister something to you tonight. I, want, I really believe God wants to bless you with something tonight. Verse 2, and that's how far we're going to get today. We're just going to do verse 2. Next time we'll do verse 3. Almost, almost. Quickly read verse 2 with me. Which he promised beforehand through, his, through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So let's quickly get the, the big picture. He says, I, Paul, a servant, apostle, set apart for the gospel. And I think a helpful way to think about this, I, I did that at the screen. Quickly check this. If they go to the next slide. By the way, it's a helpful way to think about this. He says, uh, I, Paul, servant, apostle, set apart for the gospel. Um, The gospel, by the way, which he promised (laughs) beforehand. Does it make sense? He's speaking about the gospel here. He says the gospel has been promised beforehand in the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to stop there. He says two things. Number one, this one is very familiar, and we spoke about that in week one of the gospel and throughout. He said, God promised the gospel beforehand, and quickly flash back to five weeks ago, the powerful gospel. God has always had a plan. It's been promised throughout the ages that he would send his son. The good news that Jesus came to, to die for our sins and to take the wrath of God has been promised a long time ago. Operation gospel is a go. But the second thing is not so obvious. is that the, the scriptures are holy. This is something very strange to say in today's world, to say that the Scriptures, the, the, the Bible is holy. Paul has not got um, Ephesians and Philippians and Corinthians and Thessalonians in his head when he's writing that the Scriptures are holy. He doesn't even know that that's going to be the Bible. All he's done is write some letters to churches. But quickly listen to, to these two things that Jesus speaks about when he speaks about the Scriptures. And what they're about. Listen to this. Two, two scriptures, uh, both in Luke 24. Luke 24, 27 says, And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them uh, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let that sink in for a moment. He interpreted from, the, from Moses, the prophets, and all the scriptures things concerning himself. Second scripture. Uh, same, same chapter, verse 44. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything written about me. What Paul has in his mind when he speaks about the scriptures that are holy is actually the Old Testament, or like they called it then, the Testament. There was no New Testament. He's speaking about the Old Testament uh, scriptures, Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. It's a three-part structure of the Hebrew Bible. The the Torah, the the Tanakh, and the Ketuvim is what they call it. The law of Moses, the writings, and and the wisdom, and the prophets, sorry. 
That's what he's speaking about here. That everything in the law of Moses, the prophets and the writings are, is about Jesus. Why is this so important for you to know tonight? And why am I bringing it up? Why am I talking about this? I think this is crucial to know because this is a statement that I want to make. The Bible is more than John 3.16. It's not less than John 3.16, but it's, not, it, it, it's much more than that. It's more than Philippians, uh, what's it, 4.13, I can do all things. It's much more than that. The statement that Paul makes here, that Jesus makes here when he says, uh, this is, the, the Old Testament is about me, is that you can find me on every page. You can find Jesus on every single page. Is that daunting? That's tough to hear sometimes. Why? Why? Because it's hard. Sometimes you read, I mean, come on, Leviticus. <laughs> and Numbers, the son of, 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 the son of. But Jesus is there. That's the statement he makes. What I want to challenge you, and band, you guys can join me. What I want to challenge you on is that if you cannot find Jesus on a page in this Bible, the problem is not in the Bible. Two parties at play, you and the Bible, and the problem is not the Bible, so where does the problem lie? It lies with me. I believe that there's something called spiritual blindness. I believe there's something that Paul calls the eyes of the heart. Have you heard that scripture where he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I believe that you have two sets of eyes, not like this, like four eyes, no. Like you've got these eyes and you've got these eyes. And I believe that when we struggle, and let's quickly be honest, have you ever struggled to read the Old Testament? Have you ever read a piece, like two chapters, and you're like, no, I'm going to do, I'm going to do Ephesians. None of this nonsense. But I want to challenge you that there is a much bigger story and that's what Romans is saying here Paul is saying in the greatest letter ever written that he says there's a greatest book ever written and Jesus is on every single page and every single word every syllable every punctuation mark is about him and I want you to I want to challenge you that if you read this Romans 1 verse 1 and 2 that you would realize that you are a sent one number, uh, number one you're a servant of Christ and that Jesus can be found on every single page of this Bible I want you to stand there's a, a scripture in Ephesians uh, that Paul addresses something of this and I really want to take a moment here to to make this practical the problem with Bible studies like this many times you stick with the the fancy words and the the big topics and the ideas and we struggle to bring this home. We struggle to bring it home and make it real. So tonight, I, I'm trusting for a miracle. <laughs> we serve a miracle-making God, right? A miracle-working God. We serve a God who can make lame people walk. We serve a God who can raise dead people from the dead. We serve a God who can cure any affliction, any problem in our bodies or our minds. We serve a God who can do literally anything He wants because He has all authority. And those things are great. The physical miracles are great, but I, th I think there's a miracle we overlook. And it's the miracle of spiritual sight. 
He wants to make people see, not physically always, but spiritually. He wants us to delve into this book. And when you, I believe firmly that when you read something in this Bible and you realize this is about Jesus and he's talking to me and I've realized something new, that wasn't you. That was a miracle. It was a miracle when you see something. So I want to pray tonight. If there's anybody maybe you struggling with this, you struggle with Bible reading or just reading. <laughs> you struggle. I know there are people who don't like to read. But the fact is God did not give us a CD. He gave us a book. He did not give us a YouTube video. He gave us a book. And yes, he gave you his spirit to speak with you, and that's awesome. But his spirit is never going to say something out, out of context of this. He's never going to say something contrary to this. God wrote a book for a reason. And we cannot allow that our culture that does not like reading to make that we don't read this book. So tonight I want to pray for a miracle and I want you to maybe just close your physical eyes. <laughs> close your eyes. I want to read this piece of scripture in Ephesians 1. And guys, you can start playing uh, if, you, if you like. I want to read the scripture and I want you to receive this blessing. And I, I want to pray God's blessing over your spiritual eyes that they would open tonight. That as you go home, you read this book, you would see Jesus on every page. So maybe just stretch out your hands if you're comfortable with that and receive this blessing for this reason I because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So Father, I pray now in this moment as we're going to sing this next song, Father, that, that people's spiritual eyes would open, that they would see you, Father. Perhaps tonight for the first time, Lord, that they would truly see you. Father, your servant John Wesley went 30 years doing your work, reading your Bible, preaching your word, but 30 years later he realized I, didn't, I, I have never met my Savior. And I pray tonight that the spiritual eyes of these people in this auditorium would open up, Father. Open up, you blind eyes. Wake up, you sleeper. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing this next song. And if you want to keep your arms stretched out and just receive the blessing of spiritual sight, you're welcome to do that.